Well, thanks for listening to the Rebuilt Podcast. Uh, apologize we took a little break for the summer and skipped out on August, but back uh, this for this September. Uh, this is an interview with Caitlin um, DeGrushi, who serves on our staff as the Director of Missions. Caitlin's got an incredible story. I think you're really going to enjoy listening to her, and she's got an incredible heart. Uh, I think that just comes through in our conversation. So please enjoy my conversation with Caitlin DeGrushi. Well, I am here with Caitlin, who serves on our staff as Director of Missions. And my very first question for you, Caitlin, is what made you buy lavender as a cooking ingredient? <laughs> Which is going to sound, I know it doesn't make any sense to our audience, but I, maybe I'll give the context. I'm trying to cook some sea bass because I saw it on sale at a store. And uh, my Weber Grill book, which is my cookbook, it said, has a recipe for lavender in it, which I was, I, so I was asking Daniel on our team, where, because he's a cook as well, a chef, where would you buy lavender? And you happen to have lavender. I sure do. So you're, you're are you that big a cook? Um, I'm more so a baker. Okay. But um, we joke in the family, mom, I love you. Um, we all know how to cook because my mother didn't know how to cook. Okay. So I have two <laughs> older sisters. All right. And, um, so that is where I have a love for cooking and baking because we needed to eat. It's Darwinism, right? You know, the survival <laughs> of the mu- fittest. Yeah, or in this, uh, <laughs> um, um, what is the Ben Franklin quote? Um, Necessity is the mother of invention or, or whatever. Yes. So, yeah, there you go. But anyway, so, so I'll let you know if I find any. But <laughs> yeah, I have so. to find lavender. <laughs> <laughs> or I might change a different recipe, but any case. Uh, so, But that is helpful to be in with where you grew up. So you grew up. Where'd you grow up? Family, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I grew up out in the county. Um, I so Baltimore. Was in Baltimore, okay. yes. The yes, here we say the county. Yep. <laughs> Since it's Baltimore County and Baltimore City, um, I currently live in the city. But yes, I grew up in the county, um, in a beautiful town called Baldwin, which is, if anyone knows, Sporty Vineyards, where we have a lot of our events for small groups. I grew up right around there, and I grew up going to St. John the Evangelist of Hides. And you're one of three, so you have two sisters. Correct. Two older sisters. Two older sisters. So you're the baby. I'm the baby, okay. yes. <laughs> and so <laughs> uh, you guys, did your family grow up going to church? We did, yes. We went to church um, every week. And if I remember Daniel in a message talking about how he associated as a child, like donuts is what you got every time you went to church. Okay. We had that tradition in the family, too. Okay. <laughs> we would go to church and then go go get donuts afterwards. All right. So grew up in a church family. What was sort of your experience of church growing up? What was your conception of God? Yeah. Um, I mean, I went to Sunday school um, growing up. I got... Uh, my first communion and my confirmation in the parish that I grew up in. And I went to Catholic school as well. I went to a school around here named Notre Dame Prep. Went there for middle school and high school. Um, I was the head campus minister in high school for a few years as well, so I was very involved. So what does that mean? So what does that mean? Um, so we had um, masses on campus. We had liturgies, and so I would be in charge of helping to organize the liturgies and okay. cooking the bread for the Eucharist and everything. They would yeah. cook. That, that's not, is that a Notre Dame thing, I guess? Yes, we that? had a recipe. <laughs> Re- okay. Used right. whole wheat flour and honey. Okay. All right. <laughs> so you are a kind of church person. Would you call yourself that? Or? Yes, I okay. would. I would, All yes. Right. So was there ever a time you left, stopped going to church or? Yes. Yes, there okay. was. There was a small gap um, in my life. So for college, I went to school in the South, um, the buckle of the Bible belt, as they call it. I went to school in Charleston, South Carolina at College Charleston. 
beautiful city. Um, it is more evangelical, so um, Catholics are sort of accepted there in certain pockets and then not in other pockets. Um, I did go to, there was a Catholic church way up in the north part of the city that I'd go to every once in a while, but it was easier for me to, if I wanted to go to church, to either go to a more Baptist or non-denominational okay. church just based on availability and having people my age there. Right. Yeah. So you still went to church, you just didn't go to Catholic church. Yes, and I didn't okay. go as frequently. So I went to being a weekly Catholic, you know, going all the time to kind of going when I felt like it, which I think that happens with a lot of young people, unfortunately, right. especially people in my generation. So I'm an elder millennial. I'm an elder my, millennial. Yes. What is that? So. Yes, because millennials, that's a, that's a big range. Where does a millennial go from? It goes from... Oh, it's something crazy like 1984 to late 90s. Okay. Which those are there a lot. That's happened. a lot. I happened before that. Yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, 90s. a yeah. lot. A lot happened during those years. Um, so yes, I'm in my mid 30s. So okay. So I was going to do. I wasn't going to ask how old you were. But there you <laughs> it's, all right. <laughs> it's all right. But you you define yourself as an elder millennial. Okay, that's good, and uh, that's helpful. So, but you didn't. You never stopped like a hundred percent. I'm done. I'm out of this, or fell away for for long periods of time. Then. I did have a brief season after college. Um, after college, I served in the Peace Corps, um, and I actually served in a Muslim country where Christianity was basically illegal. So I didn't have means to practice my faith, and for things like Good Friday, I had to hide the reason I was fasting. Okay to those around me for wow. for my safety. I was told to Can you tell what the country is or could you say I'm Muslim country so you don't say what it is? Are you not are you not supposed to say that? I can say it. I can okay. say it. I, okay. I lived in Morocco. Okay. Yes, I All lived right. in Morocco and it was an interesting time that I was there. So I was there in twenty eleven and my plane landed literally fourteen days after the Arab Spring began, if you remember that movement in the Muslim countries. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. So there was a lot going on in the country at that time. So emotions were very high. So um, the Peace Corps had told me since they knew that I was Christian, that was just one thing that they go over during the interview. Do you have a denomination? Do you practice your faith? Um, it was just to be careful. The Peace Corps asked you that? Yes, to, okay. yes. So they just said, be careful in your situation about okay. how you speak about it um, wow. and letting people know. And certain regions were okay with it and certain regions are not okay with it. So you go to Notre Dame, go to go away to, what's the College of Charleston? College of Charleston, yep. yes. And then you went into the Peace Corps mm -hmm. right afterwards. Was that motivated by faith or was that um, more altruism? I don't know. I don't know how to ask that question. It was, it was motivated by faith. Okay. Yes. In, in the long run, I knew that I wanted to serve internationally and that I felt like that was a calling from God. I was 12 years old. I remember when really? I started to feel a calling to go serve internationally. I really? was in the seventh grade. Yeah. Well, do you, is there, do you have strong. more details about that? What? Um, I, I had my, my oldest sister briefly went to George Washington University. She went there for a year before she transferred to Chapel Hill. And the job that she got was a part-time job with the Peace Corps. So I found out what they did and I researched more into them and the work that they did internationally. And I just felt a pull at my heart to go and to serve and to love others, um, no matter what their differences were, mm -hmm. because just knowing how people are born into certain situations and sometimes things are just very hard for people based on the situations that they're in. It has nothing to do with in terms of their fault. 
And I wanted to go out into the world and to help empower people and lift them up mm. out of the situations they were in. So how, I mean, Peace Corps, obviously not a Christian band. I, and I, I mean, other than, you know, Peace Corps just kind of has a whole idea of everything you're saying of just go to Morocco and maybe you'll die or, you know, right, right. Or there's an average <laughs> Arab spring and God knows what's going to happen to you. So there is that kind of selflessness to that, but it's not a, a Christian bent. So was there a reason why the Peace Corps, did you ever think about a Christian kind of missionary or was, is it just because your sister was in the Peace Corps and that's what appealed to you or what? Well, so I had talked to some other people when I was in college. I talked to other people who had served in the Peace Corps, and I knew they did good work, and I knew they had a strong reputation, so I felt comfortable going with them. So I hadn't, I don't believe I had researched into finding a specifically faith-based organization Mm -hmm. to go out to do international service with. Okay. And you had this, but you felt this call just when you were 12 years old, you knew you were going to impact. Yeah. That's cr- Okay. That's amazing. So, because you went to the Peace Corps, how long were you in, in there? I was there for a um, for six months. It was a very full six months. And actually, September 11th, 2011 was one of my last few days there, which was a very interesting time to be Oh, the 10-year anniversary. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, I was sent home on the plane the next day before. Um, I was, it was safety and security was the reason why my service ended. It is supposed to be 27 months. I was going to say six months seemed pretty short. Okay. Yeah. So it's supposed to be uh, a little over two years then. Correct. Okay. Correct. And then they didn't send you anywhere else? No, they did not. Okay. So how did that six months impact your faith? Um, It, there was a little bit of a shaking of a faith. Um, I saw a lot of things. I was witness to a lot of things that were happening in this world. I, I tell people that I legitimately saw the best in people, but then I also saw the worst in people mm-hmm. at the same time. And being in your early 20s, that's a really hard time in your life. It's, almost like, it's like your teenage years of adulthood. Mm-hmm. It's almost like being an eighth grader or a freshman in high school again, but you're an adult and you're on your own. Right. And you're supposed to figure out everything hmm. by yourself. And I didn't I didn't have a strong faith community right. around me. You're yeah, I mean faith wise you're completely alone, I guess, because the Peace yeah. Corps doesn't have that and they're not gonna give that to you. Yeah. And then you're not you're told basically pretty much don't tell people you're a Christian, is that right? Right. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And so for that, I think that's why I had that moment of kind of falling away from it and then feeling a bit confused about certain things that I had seen and experienced while being abroad um, just just shook my faith a little. And I was very blessed that I immediately went into the AmeriCorps, which is the domestic version of Peace Corps. Uh-huh. They have a very similar model. And a couple months later, um, I believe October 30th, 2011 was my first day. Um, I was sent to the Outer Banks of North Carolina, and that is where I did my service during community development work down there. And at first I had roommates and there was a situation and one of my coworkers at this community development organization took me in to live with her family and her kids. And they were from, they had West Virginian roots. They grew up in having a strong Christian faith and living with her really helped me get back on track with my faith and having that support. And I found myself 
diving deeper into the Bible and finding good um, preachers to listen to and to watch on television and to learn more about the word. And I got back on track with my faith there. Mm -hmm. It was a it was a good time. It was a good time to kind of heal from certain things that shook my faith and then become stronger because of it. So what, what do you attribute to that healing or to help you process what you saw in Morocco that mm. shook your faith? What, yeah, what did you talk about that process a little bit? Yeah. I'm, the woman who took me in, um, she was a single mother. She had, oh, okay. oh she gosh, had three okay. kids um, ranging from, golly, it was 17 to three years old. And um, she would invite me up to dinner, and we would talk about everything. And we would talk about faith. In Southern culture, that's very accepted. Even mm -hmm. in business, people open up business meetings with prayer. Really? I, again, obviously being a mid-Atlantic Northeast person, I did not know that. Okay. Yeah, it was, very, it was very different for me. So um, with the AmeriCorps, I was placed in the Outer Banks, but we worked for this larger statewide organization that was community development organization and i would go to raleigh and i'd go to meetings in rural areas with pastors or business leaders and people would just open up with prayer and talk about jesus and that okay. was you could do that and so then right. you had this community that naturally came around you mm -hmm. and living living with this woman really helped me process certain things and she was a great person to talk to. She was um, she was in her later 30s at that time, and I was 23, 24 during right. the time that I lived with her. So it's, it's interesting. Um, North Point talks about the five things God uses to grow your faith, and one of them is providential relationships. Mm. So it sounds like that was a providential relationship for you. Yes, absolutely. Okay, because she and she helped you make sense of some of the things you had seen or had you struggled with or it was just more you saw another side of, of of life I think she helped she had been through her own pain in life she had been through some serious struggles so she helped guide me in the right direction in terms of going to scripture mm -hmm. and going to God and she took me to the church that she took her family to which was a non-denominational church down there and I enjoyed going there but I, then I found one that was Catholic right because that was still just core to who you are, or yeah, there was even going the non-denominational. You, I, um, I enjoy. I, I always tell people, I'm like, I just, I enjoy because I grew up with it. I, right. I enjoy Catholic Mass. Right. I enjoy the way that we celebrate. Right. Jesus. So it, it's just in there, so yes. to speak. Okay. Yeah. Was there any verses or or scripture passages? that you remember during that time that were incredibly influential or a specific message you heard at the non-denominational church? Mm, I see Romans 12, 12. Okay, which is, I, I, okay, I can't quote that chapter. I mean. Oh, let's see, I use, I use the ESV Bible at home, so full disclosure. I can disclosure. pull it up right now if you want. Yes. Well, go ahead, what do you have? Go ahead while you try to, try to paraphrase it. Um, it's be patient, be patient in turbulence, fervent in prayer, and there's one more thing. There's three bullet points in Romans 12, 12. Rejoice in your hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Yes. Um, yes. Then contribute to the names of the saints and practice hospitality. So anyway, there, there, there it is. So Romans 12, 12, <laughs> rejoice in your hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in your prayer. So that was something that 
that's was that a verse that was a message someone gave you? Was that just you were reading it one day and you stumbled upon it? Yes, I read it one day, stumbled upon it, and there's something that just stuck out about that scripture to me. It really struck me at that time, mm-hmm. and I did something kind of silly. I had one of those hanging Yankee Candle um, car smell good things. Yeah. What are those things called? Air freshener? Air freshener, yeah, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) And I took like a nice cardstock paper and a nice Sharpie pen and I wrote it out that scripture and then I cut it out and I pasted it and I put it on there because I did a lot of driving. Right. Um, when I lived down in the Outer Banks since everything is so spread out on the barrier island and I just always had it there to remind me every single day. Okay. All right. Oh, that's cool. So you were down there and you lived with this, um, what, what was her name? What was her first name? Uh, Karen. Karen. So you lived with Karen for a year and a half, you said? Was that? A year. About yeah. a year. Okay. And that's how long you were in the AmeriCorps? Correct. As well? Correct. So you went right from Peace Corps to AmeriCorps? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, um, so you come out of that situation though changed after a year? Oh, yes. Absolutely. Yeah. It was and, a- and how would you describe that change in, in, in growth? Um, I would say that I went into the AmeriCorps, moving to the Outer Banks, feeling disillusioned, Hmm. shaken, confused, and not understanding. And then I came out of that situation feeling about more confident in my identity, more confident about God caring about me as one of his children. Hmm. And knowing that I will be taken care of no matter what happens and, and, to me. And that's just, again, from that relationship, from reading scripture, yes. nothing magic or so to speak, but just being around someone else of faith, going and hearing good Bible teaching or biblical teaching, mm-hmm. and then getting into the word yourself. Yes. Okay. Uh, so you come out of... And again, I think those are things, I guess, themes of faith, you know, this is kind of like what this podcast is about. It's about our church and how we're doing that, but to continue to learn what is it that changes people. And again, I hear from you the providential relationship, mm-hmm. practical biblical teaching, which again, something else North Point talks about, which breaking down the scriptures and then, um, but yourself too, that led to you to your own kind of personal discipline, which mm-hmm. would be another one of, or um, private discipline would be the other one I think North Point talks about of reading yourself it's like one thing to hear somebody else break it down but ultimately it has to lead to our own personal thing and then the fruit of this is a confidence of who you are in christ i guess i'm putting that in my words and a confidence of mm-hmm. your disillusionment somewhat of a um not being disillusioned anymore maybe not having all the answers right but right. but having more of a context of the larger story would that be a way to put it yes okay so then you Moved back to Baltimore? Is that what you did? Correct. I moved back home with mom and dad. You got to love the recession. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> so you're about or 25 at this point somewhere? Yeah, right 24, 25. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so I moved back in with my parents, and um, I finally get a job a few months after being home at a um, local bank. Okay. So and what made you go from, from a local – you know, it seemed like you wanted to – you know, you wanted to be a, kind of serve serve the world, so to speak. Yeah. And then you go work at a bank. Yes. Um, <laughs> I had trust me. I had tried very hard to get jobs with um, international development organizations. I even applied to jobs at Catholic Relief Services during huh. those years. Um, I applied for jobs with the federal government, and um, it was just very hard. 
Okay. It was very hard. What to was your get major in, in college? Oh, <laughs> historic preservation and community planning. And then I took, um, I had like a concentration in environmental studies. Okay. Yeah. So that that was not a, yeah an easy yeah go find. So <laughs> you you tried to get in and you couldn't find anything that was sort of nonprofit or all right. And then you went to work at a bank. And okay. then I went to work at a bank. Um, started as a teller, worked up very quickly to a loan officer, and from there worked up to a senior loan officer. But that bank is how I got connected to Nativity. Okay. Um, now back in high school, this was golly, maybe 2004, 2005. I graduated in 2005. Um, I had a friend and he went to Loyola and his family used to come here. He had this like huge family and they used to come here and he used to invite all of his different friends to come to church with him. Like oh, really? every different. Who, who was this? Um, his name was Nick Ackerman. Okay. I don't yeah. know. Oh, yeah. yeah, I remember yeah. Nick. Yeah, yeah. yes. <laughs> oh, that's cool. That, it's just cool to hear the different fruit and how things... Yeah. yeah. Nick was very involved for a while. Yeah. yeah. So um, I know he lives far away with his wife and kids up in, Where in do they Bro- live now? Brooklyn. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Okay. But um, so I came and I was like, yeah, this is a cool church. I'm like thinking to myself, like, this is very different than my Catholic church. Right. <laughs> and I think this was around when you guys were, were really just starting. Just starting to, things. Yeah. Yeah. yeah really yeah. just starting to, to change everything. Yeah. Um, but I hadn't been until, I think this was now 2000, early 2013, I had a coworker at this bank, and he was having car trouble, so I, I had to give him a jump. And he saw a cross hanging. I had a, I had a cross air freshener. <laughs> something about <laughs> so air, air fresheners. Air important, yeah. <laughs> and he goes, oh, um, oh, are you, are you Catholic? And I said, yeah, I'm Catholic. And he's like, have you heard about Church and the Nativity, they have like a great place for young adults to go. It's very like young and fresh. And I said, oh, I heard about it like years ago. I went there, but I, I was like, right. no, I haven't been there since then. And he was like, well, I really think, I really think you should check it out. Um, now, who was that? That, that was my friend, um, Lang Allman. Okay. Yeah. So I haven't seen him in years. Okay. But, um, and I don't, I don't know if he still goes here. I, yeah. I don't know. Um, okay. But it was pretty funny that that's how I ended up coming okay. here was getting a job at a bank is the reason why I came to Nativity. And so, um, you know, what helped you to engage with Nativity? What got you kind of connected and, and engaged with the parish? Mm, so I didn't get engaged in the parish until 2016. Okay. So I, you just came for a few years and attended, though? Yeah, by myself. Didn't know anybody at all. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I never got to know the people around me. I would get super anxious when Al Wash would say, go ahead and say hi to the people next oh, really? to you. And okay. I was like, oh, gosh, I don't know anyone. And, I felt, and you didn't want to do that? No, because I felt, I felt like everyone knew everyone, hmm. and I felt a little bit on the outside as hmm. like a younger, you know, single female. I just yeah. I felt very – I didn't see people my age, really. I saw some, but not that many. Yeah, it's a lot more – yeah, there, there's a younger feel but to a lot of parishes, but there's still not a lot of – Yeah. I think we're working on that a little bit, but um, – yeah. Still has a lot of young families, which isn't if you're you know, right, 28, exactly. whatever, whatever age you were there by that point. Correct. Um, doesn't feel, so why did you stick then if, if um, 
If I wasn't engaged, exactly. Yeah, or yeah. if you're all alone. Like, and I'm like, oh, we got to <laughs> fix that. That's that's something to know. We have to fix, you know, we're trying to talk about the good things we're doing, but we're not perfect. We have things to work on. So that's something to to work on. So what made you keep coming then? I was really getting fed by okay. the message. Okay. And so the big is, church yeah. experience. Okay. Oh, yes. That is what kept me coming. Okay. Is diving deeper into my faith and getting very fed from the experience that I was having okay. um, in my church practice. And the biggest was the message or the music or was there anything that, that or all the above or? The message, I would say the message was the most powerful facet, but it's very nice to have music. That sounds wonderful. Right. <laughs> <laughs> was there any message series there that was um, um, more impactful to you or specific message or just in general? getting something out of it? Just in general, getting something out of it. I believe when I, I, I could be wrong, but I believe when I took my first major step and began to engage, fall of 2016, they were doing the missions promotions for 2017 trips. Okay. And it was coming up on the screens, on the wall, and they had Haiti, October 2017, and I just felt this calling to go. And I believe the message series you were doing at the time was Harvest Season. And I could be wrong. That, that sounds be. right. Something like that. Yeah. But I, I feel like Harvest Season. Or the idea, was like, it was, or at least it was the image and kind of harvest. Yeah. Harvest time. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so that was, so you came for about three years before mm-hmm. you, anything spoke to you of, of saying, okay, I'm going to get involved and do that. Yes. Okay. And yeah. so you signed up to go to the mission trip to Haiti. Correct. Because okay. that was my comfort zone. For me, for some people, that might be like, wow, your first step was going out with other parishioners <laughs> to go serve right. in Jesus' name. And yeah, for me, that was that was actually a comfort zone. Right. Well, I mean, you'd been to Morocco and you've been to, <laughs> you'd, been, you'd done all these things. So um, what, and then, so that got you started just connected to some other missionaries. Did you make some friends as well and re- build some relationships as a result of that trip then? Or? Oh, absolutely. When okay. you serve when you serve in missions, you really develop this special, unique bond on every trip that you go on. And so when prep season begins, we start in, um, say, about mid-spring is when everyone starts meeting and um, it's a slow process. It's kind of stretched out over about three months in terms of preparation for you to go out and serve. And there's a reason why we do that. Um, We don't want to overwhelm people and you want people to make sure they really understand, um, you know, like what they're going out to do and how we do missions here at Nativity and also to build the bond with their other missionaries. And... I remember at first when they would go around and say, anyone feel moved to pray? In my head, I'd be like, please don't call me. Please don't call me. Please don't call me. And just like look down at the ground every time that they would do that. So I was very shy at first and apprehensive to kind of get to know people. But it's true just that having that extended preparation time and getting to know people. And then when you actually finally go out in the field and you have that travel time together and then – you have prayer and devotions before breakfast and then you have prayer and debrief at night and then everything that you experience when you're out in the field and it is just a phenomenal experience that 
bonds you. And so I will never forget my first trip. And I think there's always something very special about a first trip for someone. Mm. Um, And the first group of people that you go with, there's just something very special and unique about that. And I believe with the exception of one, it was everyone's first trip when I went in October 2017. Okay. And, um, it was a wonderful experience, and I've loved it ever since. I, uh, 2018, I served on the home team, so I helped walk alongside the teams that were preparing and be there for them while they were abroad. And then in 2019, I ended up co-leading a um, team to Haiti as well. Okay. And you, you led the trip there with? Uh, yes, with them. As, as a co-leader. So Correct, okay. yes. Yes. We had a large team. It was like 20 people. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. And how was that going from being a member of the trip to to co-leading? How did that help you grow? Oh, wow. You have a lot more responsibility than you think when you are a a leader of a missions trip, Um, especially when there's a lot of people. So I was very blessed to have a good co-leader. His name is Chris Bushko. He serves here on ops, and him and his wife are amazing. They do a bunch of stuff here at Nativity. Definitely amazing. Yeah, yeah. Chris do this. Yeah, <laughs> yes, you should. Um, you just have, you, you've got to check in on your people, you know. Um, for some people, traveling is very easy. For others, it's stressful. You know, they're away from their family. They miss their mom and dad or their spouse or their kids. And just making sure that everyone's doing all right, that they're processing everything okay, that they're understanding their um, calling and purpose with Christ. Um, so there, that was definitely growth for me of, okay, I'm not just here experiencing a trip for myself and doing things with my team, but now I'm leading and I need yeah. to check in on everyone and right. make sure they're all doing okay. Help, helping other people grow and taking care of. What do you see as the way people grow closer to Christ from a mission trip? Wow. I think it always surprises me. Because there are times when you might see different personalities come out like during the preparation process. And so, you know, you just kind of, as humans, we sort of make judgments, for lack of a better word, in our head of, oh, well, this person's just going to love it and they're just going to be great. And there's always that person that shocks you that maybe you thought like, oh, they're very shy and... You know, this might be really hard for them to travel and being away from their family. But when they go away, they just shine. And there's something you see that there really is something inside of them that's a spiritual gift for service. Hmm. And then I would say what's most amazing is watching the younger people. So the teenagers, when they go out and they serve, whether it's um, we had a trip to New Jersey this summer or when they go to Haiti, and just seeing how much they are truly deeply affected by this. And they will they will all come together and grow together. Mm-hmm. They don't go and journal alone. They come together and they journal together and they talk about their experience together. And I think that's something that's really beautiful. And then they'll come out at the end of the trip and have these reflections, and they're just amazing. So it forces them to think a little bit more. What I hear too from you is people to what's inside gets kind of revealed a little bit more, maybe some or 
or to search them to, to kind of wrestle with more questions in the same way you had to. Mm-hmm. Maybe not quite the same depth or level, but you are seeing probably more poverty and you're seeing yes. people struggle and um, kind of realize the blessings you have, mm-hmm. but then deal with the disparity and why is there, why is there this, this gap? So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, that's good. What, um, you know, is there anything you're learning right now about faith or what do you what do you feel like you're learning right now (laughs) you never stop learning about your faith um man i would say right now um so i came on staff march 1st 2020 (laughs) so um i had the most unique first year on the job ever probably um So I think that affected my faith in a really unique way, too, because before it was I worked I worked in finance. Yeah. And even go ahead. Finish that part. Finish your saying. But I want to go back in a second. (laughs) So I worked in finance and every weekend. This is where I served. I served in all stars um, as much as I could sometimes multiple masses and then I would go to mass and that was that was the thing that I did this was my this was my reprieve this was my rest right and now this is my job so that does it does shift a little bit yeah. in the way yeah, that's, um, and that's something I've never gone through that I know many other staff members do it goes from the, yeah this is a respite and even though you you invest energy and time mm-hmm. in it it still is a respite from your other life. Mm-hmm. And I, I've always just worked here. I never did that <laughs> too. Now you have to adjust to, it's not the respite anymore. It's just, it changes, I, I guess, right? It can't right? be the same. Hopefully it's still a good place in your life, but it's not the same. Right, 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 right. exactly. Yeah. So, um, and now that we're back to like the full swing of things, basically, yeah. I think for the most part, there's there's nothing missing at this point. This is now back to the old nativity way right. pre-covid right so it'll be interesting to see um i think i think you can kind of let your faith go a little bit on the back burner like not obviously not completely on the back burner but maybe you don't listen as closely to the message as you should maybe you don't take away as much mm-hmm. you know from the scriptures that are being as read as you should because right. you're distracted by the oh i need to do this and be there right. and Yes. So I think that's one thing that I've learned, I've self, I have self-recognized and try to catch myself on. Right. And then it's okay. Well, how do you, how do you feed yourself? Right. Um, outside of that as well. Anything you've learned with that or you're still learning? I'm still learning because I need to get in a, in a firm schedule and I'm getting much better on it. Okay. <laughs> You need the ideal week. Is that what you need? Yes. Okay. Well, we can talk about that another time if you want. Um, but it is an interesting thing. I think that's um, something we are wrestling with as a staff here is how do people who, again, were, were fed here and now it changes and how to help help continue to grow, but it is going to look different. It's a little bit. So, mm-hmm. What was the process for you of leaving your job in finance? How long did you work in finance? I worked there for five years. Five years. Okay. Mm-hmm. And every year growing your income, I'm yeah. going to guess. Yeah. Um, and then you had to take a pay cut to come here, I'm yeah. assuming, because yeah. <laughs> yeah. everybody has to take a pay cut if you're to come here. <laughs> how did you process that? Was that a difficult thing for you? Was that an easy thing for you? What was, how was that for you? 
Um, it was difficult for me, but it was difficult for probably reasons that people wouldn't initially think of. Some people might say, oh, you're probably thinking of, well, I'm on this career path and I'm going to grow, 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 grow. And then you're going a different path completely by leaving and going into working in ministry. Um, for me, I was approached during a time of season where um, I had someone in my family who had been diagnosed with an illness and the outlook was not good. And um, I had something else in my personal life with a friend that was also very stressful. And I was processing the shock of the pain that my, um, my aunt was going through at the time and what the outlook was for her life and how that was going to affect my family. Um, and so it was hard for me to m make a decision. I couldn't, I didn't feel a no, I didn't feel a yes. I just couldn't There's make, all this other stuff going decision. on in your life as well. Yes. That, whereas if it's cleaner part of life, for lack of a better word, you might be like, okay, is this where I want to go or not? But now mm -hmm. all this is in the background as well. Okay. Yeah, yeah. For me, I am, I do have to say, I'm a very purpose-driven per person. I need to feel like I have a purpose and the work that I am doing is doing something to better the world and protect others in, in some way. Right. That's just my personality. Yeah, you can see that. <laughs> <laughs> and at sometimes in that job that I worked in, I had that. I worked in I worked in trade settlements, but I also worked in internal controls. So it was protecting assets of um, wealthy people, of corporations, of pension funds. Right. Of um, yeah, a pension fund. You can very easily see. Okay, this is protecting someone's yeah. retirement and how they're going to live out their life. Yeah, making sure. You can find the, the why right, there. Yes, exactly. I had the why sometimes, but there were other things that I still felt like something was missing. And like I should be doing mo more for the world and that God was calling me to do more. So I definitely had an interest in the position, but I had a trouble making a decisive decision at that time. Um, I think there's someone else on staff who has that kind of story too in terms of... <laughs> Not being able to make a firm decision. Yes. <laughs> Daniel, I think, is what you're talking about. Please share that many times. I don't think you have to worry about yeah. withholding confidences <laughs> there. Yeah. So, um, but no, and, but when I felt like it was right, I was confident that it was right and it was time. So for you, the sacrifice of finances was not a huge, was not a huge deal for you. Because Correct. purpose just is so much more important to you in, in that sense. And, yeah. Um, and in some ways too, you know, you you don't have a family, you don't have kids that you're you're trying to take care of. So it might right. be a little bit easier in that sense, but still, it it's a sacrifice to to take that. So it's interesting to see that people how people process that. All right, two more questions because this is sure. uh, we, I think we've been for a while. I, I didn't put the timer on to start, but uh, <laughs> we, I know we start a little after four. So, um, what about anything in prayer right now that you're learning about prayer or again, or continuing to, you know, we kind of said how you're growing in your mm. faith. What about prayer or uh, anything you're learning about that right now? Um, that I need to set aside more time to do it so I can dive deeper in my prayer. Okay. Um, I kind of akin to it as to like working out. 
you always stick with the two pound dumbbell weights, <laughs> that's a good analogy. You're not you're not going to get anywhere right. when it comes to your fitness. Yeah, that's good. I like that. You know, you got you got a muscle confusion. Yes, you got to do confusion. Yeah, and there's different. Yeah, the different aspects of prayer that you certainly want to. The routine of prayer is important, but mixing it up, different kind of workouts. Mm-hmm. All right. Sometimes you got to do strength training. Sometimes you got to do cardio. Sometimes you got to do stretching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah. So I, I've used that for, I've kind of used that analogy, I think, for everything in faith, because I think sometimes in church world, everything gets reduced to just prayer. Mm-hmm. I think as Catholics especially, and, you know, we talk about all these other things. You need service. You need some relationships. You need, um, you know, giving and, and tithing, and, and you need sharing your faith with others. There's all these other things that are needed to be, well, you know, that help us grow yeah. and they help us grow differently. But I think even to get into prayer and say, Yes, there's different kinds of prayer, and we're going to do a whole series on that. So Yes. So, I'm excited be... for that. <laughs> um, what, are your th- what are your thoughts on how God wants to continue to use you in the future? Mm. Well, so far he's been full of surprises <laughs> in my life. I think you have – you can have a general understanding of your calling and the spiritual gifts that he has given you. But he will always push you further than you expect it. And it will usually happen when you don't expect it to happen. So I try not to have any sort of expectations for where God is calling me to next. Okay. But I know that it will always be deeper because God is always going to want you to go out of your comfort zone. Okay. So be somewhere outside your comfort zone is what you're, yes. what you're saying. <laughs> All right, great. I'm going to pray just to kind of close this out, but thanks for – it was good to hear you more of your story. I kind of knew some of it, but, um, yeah, it was, it's it's good. I mean, I think the great thing about you, Caitlin, you've got such a great heart, and so it's it just comes through and talking hopefully comes through as people listen to this podcast. But Thank you. Um, thanks for having me. Yeah. Let me just pray. Father, thank you for uh, Caitlin, her story, and how you have moved uh, through her and through the relationships that she formed that helped her to make sense of her life. And, God, we pray that – you would put those people in our lives and uh, God, just help us use this conversation for your glory. We pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Amen.